When your parents' parents were young, we arrived at this planet in thirteen beautiful ships. We sought to see this place, to know its people, and to live life here to its fullest. Hi, I'm Lucy, and I'm playing Vake. But we didn't anticipate its inhabitants' violence and distrust. They struck out unprovoked with weapons of shattered matter. Hi, I'm Jim Ryan, and I am playing Karloff Carradine. Twelve of our ships fell to the surface, which was devastated by our broken technology and the fallout from their terrible weapons. Some of the inhabitants survived by scavenging our drive cores, and we had neither the heart nor the strength to stop them. Hi, I'm Ben, and I'm playing Jones Johnson IV. In our remaining ship, we mourned our dead and reconfigured ourselves to this new world. In time, we even befriended some of the local people and had children of both worlds. Hi, I'm Zoe, and I'm playing Comet Baby Teeth Sharps. But our remaining ship was damaged so long ago, and the only parts left to repair it remain hoarded by those who are incapable of hearing our voices. I'm sorry, my child, for what we choose to do. Welcome to the final episode in this campaign of Tabletop Garden. It's an actual play podcast where we collaborate on short, self-contained stories about interesting characters, and we do it with an agenda. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I am excited to be completing this story. Um, it's uh, It's been sitting recorded for a long time, and I'm very happy to be finishing the editing as I speak. And to finally be able to get it all out to you, I have not yet released any of the episodes out of, after the hiatus, so I'm very excited to see how people feel. A content warning for this episode, uh, we've got um, some attacks on civilians being discussed here, some attacks by armed people on civilians, and there's discussion of uh, famine and some of the um, consequences of conflict on society so um heads up on those they're none of them are too bad i don't think but and there is an instance of i will say self-sacrifice um of of someone um ending their own life also just a structural note uh there's a point in this uh final session where we paused and said okay let's chat out of character about how we want to end this um Initially, I think we thought that we'd pull out that section, but we ended up keeping it. Um, so you might notice in like the uh, in our actual like meta chat section that might it might sound a little weird, um, and that's because we recorded a bunch of OSC chat and then finished the campaign and then recorded the meta chat, and and so the, it just might seem a little bit like we're not remembering things or are somehow prescient or something like that, but that's that's why that might be misaligned. Before we get started, I'll mention that I do still have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. I appreciate any support you can give there. 
Um, it really, really helps me be able to do work like this. And you won't get access to the next episode of Ego Driver, but when the next campaign starts, you will get early access to all of those episodes. So, without further ado, we will conclude Ego Driver, a post-apocalyptic vehicular combat campaign using the Big Eyes Small Mouth 3rd Edition rules. Our agenda is to honestly portray diverse characters, pursue healthy play practices, and craft story with social responsibility. Here, our agenda is to save yourself, make it look good, and live like you're dying. You can get more info on the show at tabletop.garden. And now, Tabletop Garden, Ego Driver. If you go over and shift some of the material, there's just like a cascade of painted skulls and death's head themed decorations that is in a pile near the bottom. So Karloff pauses and just sort of stands up and stares at it for a minute. Um, and, uh, he just sort of is and crouches down. He sort of picks one of them up. He's like, "Damned idiots!" He's just shaking his head, looking at it, and he throws it back down. Who? What's your? Uh, what's the story there? Uh, it's stuff from the Stygian races. What? What is? Would I know what that is? Would it be a dumb question for me to ask that? Gracious um, GM. <laughs> I'll, I'll defer to Jim on this one. There is a chance you might have heard of them, um, but uh, they're not like incredibly famous. Um, but so so but it's uh, one of those. Uh, they're kind of a uh, a bit. You might have heard of them as kind of a cultish, almost sort of death cult out in the wastes. I guess that uh, um, it's like usually it's like when when they go it's like they they either race each other and or they go hunting for prey those are like the two things that they do i am going to roll a dice a die to see if i know what this is i know what it is oh these the symbols yeah look not unlike those that are painted on the side of karloff's vehicle oh well then, either way, I put two and two together. There, are these are are these your your people? In a manner of speaking, I was uh, conscripted at a very early age. I was raised by them. Oh. And uh, we race each other. Nah, uh, whoever one got to live. It's very. Sort of closed system. Every now and then they had to hunt to recruit. That was not my favorite thing to do in life. As you look around this junk room and at some of the vehicles that are still left outside, you recognize in the the lines of some of these cars, vehicles built both for speed and for sturdiness and start to have an idea of some of the places that the Jacko gang got their vehicles. So 
while everyone is uh, doing what they're doing, I'm wondering, well, Jones is wondering, what it would take to level this area. He's, he's, he's thinking on at least one level if, if they decide this is definitely one of their major, or at least one of, one of their supply depots slash resource caches. At least in the back of his head, he's trying to think of what it would take to collapse this area. And it does have demolitions. Um, this place is pretty sturdily built from what you can tell. Those, those arches and curves you think would render it pretty stable. Um, there is a whole lot of machinery in the walls. There's very little wasted space in this complex. It's, it's clearly was planned out and not kind of excavated as they went. Your, uh, things that are showing up on your sonar... Are there is a room that does not look structurally important, but sort of by the layout of this complex is sort of central and easily accessible. Basically, if you continued down the same way you were going for a while, you would get to this room that's that's large and almost spherical and has some sort of, of platform at the center of it. You also notice that on the, I guess... Near the far side of the complex, there's a room that contains some sort of power plant, uh, just a big hunk of machinery that has what seems like more normal sound baffling around it, so you can assume that it's probably pretty noisy. Um, but it doesn't seem to be doing well. Um, you're, you're detecting various structural issues with the the walls around it uh you occasionally are hearing weird pops and and pings as if there's unstable heat coming off of it uh so if this place is dependent on power in order to stay running which the equipment in the wall suggests that maybe you're far enough underground that it needs ventilation that would be a good place to to go or that central room that's that's got the platform in the middle might also be some sort of important nerve center but that central room is sort of on the path we're heading anyway so we'll probably see what's there yeah the power the what i think is a power plant is pretty far off the path so are you all piling back into your vehicles for now did you want to check out anything else around here I might grab one of those soft cotton jackets myself if we're gonna <laughs> highly recommended I think my, my old denim one got a little screwed up at some point over the last little story arc. Yeah, I think it got taken out by a coin. Right, right, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm happy to upgrade. Yeah. I've just picked up a couple of personal items from the, the pile. I've picked up a, uh, a skull medallion and uh, a sort of like pair of... Uh, of silver horns that I'm just going to slap somewhere on the vehicle. <laughs> Is there any of that blue goo anywhere? No, uh, you don't see, even checking through the lockers, you don't see any of it. I see. Vake will go back to the tank, but they are going to stay on the outside of it like they were before. Okay. You continue along in your vehicles down this 
through this garage room and down another hallway and things are starting to look a little weirder you're still seeing the the strange flickering lights and suggestions that this place is not running as well as it should be but you also see some sort of supply locker on the ceiling like it's the sort of locker that you would expect to see um with like first aid supplies or or fire suppression supplies or anything like that in in any complex that was well planned out but this looks completely inaccessible it's up on the ceiling um there are holes or tunnels that go off at odd angles off of the hallway as if like someone's expected to take a slide down or somehow climb up these relatively um not slick but but smooth textured hallways like climb up a tunnel made of the same material but it seems like if you're headed towards that large central room um that you can continue on straight and level where where you're going okay cool at this point jones is probably getting a little suspicious uneasy uneasy is the word i'm looking for i was about to ask for my um anomaly detector yeah so your anomaly detector is definitely hmm it's reading a stable reading that is too high which never happens um it's it's like uh you know a geiger counter will will ebb and flow uh this one is this anomaly detector it's like it's clicking st- a steady rhythm like there's an anomaly around but it's not anomalous here yeah there there really aren't stable anomalies that that's a contradiction of concepts right yeah yeah not happy and you're also noticing that those signs of movement that you are seeing the the vehicles and so on that are outside of that that area with the strange interference that looks like different refraction um they almost seem like they're avoiding you. In in one case, there was one that was would have been up ahead, but as you started moving again, it took a side passage and is in another part of the of the complex now. Ooh. Uh, well, that I will pass across because mm. hey, hey guys, I've been trying to keep track on uh, possible contacts while we're going around and. This ain't the first time that they've gotten out of our way. You know, a couple times now, we've looked like we're about to come up on somebody, but then they've just shifted to a new position. At the very least, I'm guessing somebody knows we're here. Yeah, I feel like what we uh, what we did outside probably caused a little bit of a stir. What with the two-story tall combine and zombie cars or i mean maybe that's just like a normal normal thursday here yeah but if we're in the middle of their fortress of of city ship thing uh if they were unhappy about us messing with their guy outside you'd think they'd jump us or something i mean do you want to try the stealthy method if you i don't you want to really see, think see i him? can do stealth inside this ship 
Maybe that. <laughs> Pardon? Grant us out. Pardon? There's a flashback to that moment when Karloff was unconscious and Vake was tossing the blue goo on Karloff and just a single droplet hurtles toward the radio (laughs) (laughs) and has been working its way deep inside the cords all of this time. I love the imagery here. The little blue droplet that could... (laughs) <laughs> is it fixing the radio? <laughs> it's overwhelmed. It could be. <laughs> the uh, it's coming the, to life. <laughs> the static from Karloff's radio suddenly ceases, and uh, is replaced with uh, a very soft bossa nova rhythm. <laughs> Somehow and you're that able makes to, it worse. And you're able to hear Karloff clearly. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> Pardon? Sad that I was just going, saying that they might be uh, be just was trying to feel us out, that's all. And then dun, 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 dun. what the hell's that? <laughs> and when you when you let off of the mic the, the music stops. Oh. That is Bossa Nova. That is. It is my favorite. Just experimentally <laughs> press the button and then listen to it for a second, then unpress it, press it, and unpress it. Yeah, it seems like your <laughs> your carrier music. signal is now a a soft Bossa Nova backing. <laughs> Incidentally, that's what uh, I've been listening to quite a lot lately in in real life. <laughs> Not today at all, but yesterday and all weekend, really, while I've been sewing, I've been listening to the, the, the sweet sounds of Luis Bonfa and uh, and uh, Bolasete. Anyway. It's good atmospheric ambiance music. Sure is. I shall consider upgrading my frequency. <laughs> oh, Lord. Dun, 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 dun. That's a heck of a trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you continuing to move forward? Sure, I'll I'll go. Yeah, don't know if we can. I'm held fast by the power of Bossa Nova. <laughs> I just want to sway. <laughs> Had I a corporeal form, I would dance. So you continue down this this passageway and you're about to enter that large chamber you can see up ahead this this hallway has been curving organically uh to the so that you can't see a great distance uh, but you come around a curve enough to see that it's going to open up ahead anything you want to do before entering this space Uh, are any targets coming up on on the uh, well actually no i'd have to be able to see them wouldn't i uh, I, was, I was wondering if any targets were coming up on the uh, the mine targeting computer, but I don't know if it would or not. No, the the targeting computer is not registering any any specific targets. Uh, it's kind of 
presumably distracted by the machinery and the walls. It's like, yeah, I got a big target mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's all around you. <laughs> the room you are in detects as a trap. So you travel further and emerge into this large room. And it is roughly spherical, kind of a squashed sphere, and has a large platform in the middle. The walls, the the floor slopes upward very steadily into the wall, and you can see benches and seats and tables uh, scattered around like this is some sort of, of common room or eating hall, but they just slowly curve up the wall so that you're seeing chairs and tables up just pasted sideways on the wall as if it's the most natural thing in the world and this wall continues to arch up until overhead you see large what must be windows and jones you know that this is at the top of the complex and outside of the windows you see black with occasional scattered stars and just the slight sliver of blue of a planet outside of these windows Whoa! in the center of the room is a bulbous almost uh mushroom shaped platform with curving surfaces all the way up the side of it and at the top of it is a sort of desk a round pulpit and sitting in it is a woman Uh, she has you can see um, her upper torso and she's probably loud talking distance from you so not too far but but not right up close Um, she's wearing a jacket or a coat that is entirely that spiky black rubbery material uh, she has um, kind of spiky floppy hair uh, that's that's all that's got decent amount of texture and body up on the top of her head and is falling around the sides of her face and she is looking at you as you enter and she she calls out come out into the light we've been wondering how this conversation would go. Comet gets on the radio real quick and says, I have a bad feeling about this, and I'm going to do something, and if it's bad, I'm sorry. I've only tried it once, but don't worry. it It's still me, and I, um, I administer a dose of... Um, my my homebrew combat drugs uh, because I'm starting to get a little freaked out by this situation and um, as as we approach I assume in our vehicles or possibly on foot at some point I, I guess describe this can we drive are we walking yeah you can you can drive into this this large room uh, think like uh, the size of a school cafeteria okay um, there are, it's probably it's got wide enough aisles but you can see once you're in here that it is not 
intended to have vehicles in it, but there is enough space for you all to enter and, and fan out a little bit. Cool. Well, as we do that, and I give my little warning, um, I uh, stab myself in the thigh with a, a single-serve needle, and suddenly, if you can see me, I begin to change in some ways, which I am happy to describe now or when I am out of the car. Let's let's have a a dramatic description of you sitting in the driver's seat and what happens to you. Well, I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and I do the thing where you take a nice uh, a nice breath in, and then a breath out, and then a stab. And then um, I get a little, uh, probably a little wavy for a second. I think this is some some fu- some future shit. Sort of like uh, when when Vake's um, tank rearranges itself. Um, so probably a little bit like that. And then in and then in anime fashion, um, I get a little a little beefy. Uh, my hair gets a little wilder. Um, and I'm sh- my eyes definitely change color because you can't have an alternate form with the same color eyes. Um, but yeah, I uh, you see Comet if you can see Comet. I don't know. My I have to loosen up my seatbelt a little bit um, as my muscles start to bulge, and uh, I get a little shimmer of of force field and sort of uh, yeah. My 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 eyes get a little a little sparklier and my my hair gets a little more. A little more anime. And uh, next time I come on the radio, I may have a different voice. And that is it. No explosions. No, no uh, shrieks. Just a little beefy. And the woman stands and walks to the edge of that platform. And as she's standing... At the curved edge of it, she's actually angled slightly outward, so it looks as if she's leaning forward at an impossible angle and looking down at you all. Her pants are that are kind of a shiny, wet look, black material. Pretty, pretty close fitting. Love her style. Fake will attempt to flip off the tank onto the dais. Okay. Um. You're able to to jump up there. Your landing is uh, a little differently dramatic than you expect because as you approach the dais, you are coming down, not straight down, but tangent to the surface. So you land at the same angle that she's leaning at. Uh, Beside her, presumably? I, I land at the same angle she's standing at. Yeah, so she's slanted out, so it's like gravity okay. just sticks you to the surface of this of this curved dais. All right. So I'm our spokesperson, I guess. <laughs> so you're in luck. Uh as co- I wasn't I wasn't expecting to have a conversation, so you have me at a disadvantage. As Comet hears Vake start to, to 
try to be diplomatic. Um, she'll uh, open the door to the car and definitely breaks off the door handle trying to get out. So you hear you hear a, like a crunch sound from her car and then fuck. And then she just kicks <laughs> the door out so it falls off and gets out of the car. And Jones just his jaw drops. <laughs> She's a couple inches taller and um uh she starts to mosey um slightly behind Vake. It, I mean is it an elevated platform can I just walk up or do I uh, have to leave? Vake so Vake did an elaborate leap. If you want to try and walk up the side of it, you'll be like walking seeing how Vake is is standing, you suspect that you can just walk up the side of it and be just walking sideways and then upside down as you come across the bottom of it and then back upright again. I do that with my hands in my pockets. But I do not say anything. Karloff and Jones, you see uh, Comet get out and just walk up this thing as if she's as if her feet are stuck to the walls. And she's uh she was, you know, kinda weird looking before. Um in 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 dress and in other ways, kinda gangly. Uh now she's just like buff and she's a looker now. Like <laughs> like a like a real stud. Um and uh this woman looks looks at Vake and then looks at uh at Comet and says I I'd heard the stories but uh it seems that they are true. It's uh weird to see two of our lost relatives here at the same time. What the and fuck are you talking about? She says, "Aren't you one of us?" I I mean, you're not the first person to say that today, but I don't really have any additional information to add. Who are you? Last time we went through this, I tried to say that, and then the lady was like, no, you're not my kid, so are, are I don't know, are you my mom? What, just just spill the beans. She, uh, she shrugs uh, kind of uh, spasmodically, like she's kind of under a lot of stress at the moment uh, and she says she says we who can tell if so you're not on you're not going to be recognizable right now right we can figure out exactly whose kid each of you is once this whole thing is is over I assume by the fact that you're not shooting at me that you're not on a mission from Niederdorf. And she looks kind of pointedly down at at uh, at Karloff and, and Jones's vehicles. <laughs> Number one, we're not currently on a mission from Niederdorf. Number two, I was born full grown from the head of Zeus. So I'm not worried about what my parentage is. Uh, yeah, over the radio, uh, Kar- Karloff, what, what, what have we gotten ourselves into? I don't know. 
She looks at Vague and says, what does that mean, damn it? But, uh, look, you know what? It, it, fuck it. It doesn't matter. That is a true thing. She, uh, she calls out and says, the two of you down there, what do you want? Well, um, (laughs) Actually, uh, so I, I'm going to have to get out of the car because that's the only way that uh, she's going to be able to hear me. <laughs> um, I will get out and I'm going to have to get close because, again, that's the only way that she's going to be able to hear me. Assuming that she's not picking up the uh, she, the, the radio signals. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to get out. I've got my my blade slinger on the side and I start moving forward. I don't have it aimed at anyone. Uh, when I get close enough that I think that they'd be able to hear me. um which I probably have to actually be partway up the side at least for that, I think. Yeah, how... You're, you're decently... What is the distance? If you... To get to the platform from the floor. If you stand... Uh, the platform's maybe just like a story up. Think of it like um, like a raised pulpit at a church, um, except that this room is in the round. Um, yeah. So if you're standing at the at the base of it, you can be heard pretty easily. Um, Karloff might have to uh, boost his voice as much yeah. as he can. Yeah, that, yeah. This is the thing is he he has trouble with that, so it's yeah. It wouldn't sound it wouldn't sound good or feel bad feel good, but you could probably yeah. be heard. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, from down there, um, you're able to hear the conversation that's happening up at the top real easily. It seems like okay. this huh. this the acoustics of this room are yeah. good. Good acoustics. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so when I once I get down sort of at the base, then <clears throat> just sort of looking up, I just say, "Just um, wanted to make certain that someone who wants to reconnect with their past can." I say, gesturing to the uh, the the to, to Vake and Comet. She takes a few steps, uh, a few steps away from y'all. Just. Uh, from from vacant comet to it seems definitely like a tactical thing of like I don't know if these people are going to attack me or not um, and she says well it's a good day for it I guess I just sort of uh, sort of sort of nod uh, tipping my hat and I and I say yeah this is not uh, we've worked for Niederdorf but this ain't the job doing this in my spare time you might say Jones will inch his vehicle up about as reasonably close as it can get to this pulpit without having to try and violate the laws of gravity. (laughs) And uh, he's just going to step out and stay next to his vehicle. Um, I don't think he's quite that comfortable at all with any of this and doesn't want to go too far. And uh, he's just going to kind of look up and Hold his arms and be like, that has yet to be determined. And just start rolling a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I just, I do sort of, uh, yeah, actually, I do sort of nod and I say, yeah, there is that element. It's uh, probably be a good idea if these two liked what they hear. To be fair, I have zero expectations here. Hmm. Y'all are being much more receptive 
Let's see. We're lovers, not fighters. Clearly. Oh. Yeah. Well, and also, this isn't the job, so uh, so I don't, I don't have a reason to kill anyone here. Um, I'm still tempted to kill everyone here, but, oh, you know. No. I would, yeah, if, 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 you know, things go south, I won't necessarily mind killing everyone here, but, you know, just... Uh, it would be such a shame yeah. to get blood all over this nice, shiny spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even tread dirt on this thing. I doubt it's going to be able to get bled on. Oh, that's a nice spaceship you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> what you need is ego driver insurance. Yeah. I don't say any of that. That's a... <laughs> that is for the best. She throws an arm out as if to, to gesture at the room around her and says, Well, I don't know what to say. I'm little busy at the moment, but welcome to the 13th ship. Well, it wait, seems wait. we figured that out adequately. No, so... no, 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 no. There were 12. She says, look, I'm tired of you people telling the story your way, all right? There were 13 of us. You were so enamored with the power of your fallen world even all of it couldn't destroy us entirely. And everything that you have now is thanks to the wreckage that you all picked over. This ship survived, and it's going to survive, whether you like it or not. So if Jones just takes a long draft after that one. <laughs> so if you just kind of shrug. You're from I'm from some other planet. Are you trying to go home she kind of snorts she says we don't even know if there's home anymore that's that's not going to be an option we can keep it running but we're here for the long haul it doesn't have to be as bad as it is we can clean the place up a bit that is sorely needed hey you're telling me it's awful down there the worst just ugh. so so do you want to tell me why if you've got this fancy spaceship that's better than all of our tech that we got down there on i, I think down there i really don't want to look out that window too much because that really gives me the heebie-jeebies but if you got all this fancy tech and all this fancy power why the hell do you got to come down and send her mom to go try and kill some of my buddies and take our stuff Look, we can't get into who's killed who, all right? We've all killed some people that were family of other folks. Your Mayor Leopold has something that we desperately need. And maybe I was wrong at the approach I took, but it was worth a shot to try and convince him before we... uh did what had to be done. I'm not sorry I tried, but it's a shame that it had to happen and that it didn't work. What? That doesn't sound a lot like an apology. I mean, I'm not an expert. It's not. It's. I said I'm not sorry. Look, we're taking Niederdorf's core. Oh... But what about 
all the people in Niederdorf. Well, you know what? Maybe if Mayor Leopold had listened to us when we first came to him, that question would be easier to answer. He is kind of a jerk. Yeah, we would have had time to, to take it out more safely. But now we don't have enough time left. Why not? The ship's core is, it's sick. It's been sick for, well, since since the bombs. And, you know, how it is with radiation and tumors, it just keeps spreading. And at this point, we're going to need to do a transplant. How do you know that it'll work? I mean, what if you just muck up your only available functional core and then everybody's fucked? Well, we don't have an option. This core isn't going to last longer. And there are folks here who can't go down there. They haven't been recreated. It would be constant torture. What? what? Which part? Uh, all, all parts. Haven't been recreated, constant torture. We're not human. We're not from your world. We're not grown to live down there. Okay, now you've gone back too far. We, We got that part. It takes, it takes time and resources to make us able to live on Earth. Okay, so I kind of get you now. What you're saying is you make people able to live on Earth and then you just kick them out of your spaceships and you say, fuck off and figure out this ugly planet for your own self. And then you, I don't know, get yourself all upset when you need something from the people living out there in that terrible world. Will you stop pressuring me? Look. I don't know what your situation I don't know what is. You're talking about. Maybe maybe you're one of the early you're you were in one of the early pods and something went wrong. Maybe you were in cryo sleep in one of the other ships. Look, I'm sorry. All right, it's it's got to be shitty. I know what it's like down there. But right now, we've got children, we've got all sorts of people who need that core and we're getting it. You keep saying that. And then if one of you glances up at the windows, you can see that that sliver of planet in the window has moved. It's now filling more of the window and is much larger. What's up with the skylight? She says, uh, we're going to uh, pay a visit to your place of employment. What? They're going to go get the core. They're going to go kill everyone down there. Not everyone. Only the unavoidable. We're thinking a hundred, maybe a thousand people. Yeah, but then once you take the core... Once you take the core, what? They'll be just as bad off as your people in that mine? Or the folks who drive around the wasteland? It's not my fault they're not ready for the world they live in. Carla finds himself nodding. (laughs) We'll help out how we can if the transplant works all right, but I can't worry about them. I gave them 
their chance. So, uh, how, when you asked before, wh- what did you say? I mean, can't you, why can't you just get some big jumper cables or something? Lay them all the way down to Niederdorf and, and, and you know, both. Isn't there enough power in one of these things for one half-broke spaceship and one shitty city? Look, I, I get it. It sounds jacked. The whole system really sucks. But this isn't, this isn't a car battery. This isn't something that we can just get a boost from. The ship needs a core. It's, it's not... If you if you met him, you know that our technology doesn't work the same way as yours. Everything works together. We can't even take one of the other cities' cores. This is the only viable one. This is the only one that's compatible. Hmm. So well, why is why is that? It's. Do you all know about organ transplants? There's. Actually, a little bit. Well, you know, these things, there's all sorts of things that are different from one host to the next. The ships were all different, and Niederdorf's ship is the only one that will fit ours. How much space is in this ship? Can't can't you just... You know, what if all the Niederdorfians just uh, moved on here? We seem to have no trouble existing in this in this place. So if you guys can't go out, why don't you just build onto the ship some more and, you know, maybe take the core and be like, you guys come too. I can't take it. <laughs> These people... They took a core that was ours. They've been living off of it for generations. Hoarding it. I mean, they're not even sharing it among your species. They're just keeping it for the city. And Mm -hmm. so now we should, even even after we gave them the chance, we should take them on board. Fuck that. I mean, I I know you're talking about sort of big, like, big level kind of stuff. But honestly, I think Comet would be in a better mood with you if her mom hadn't been like, I'm not your mom, and then tried to kill us with some, like, techie coin. I'm just tossing that out there. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, I got you. I resist the urge to give Vaka an affirming pat. She says, hey, you know what? You tell me I'm wrong. You'd better be able to prove that you're right. Because the way I hear it, you came in attacking her. If she defends herself and doesn't have a kid, what fucking fault of it is hers? uh, We 100% did not attack her. Just all the other people. I mean, honestly, I was pretty cool with the person that I was hanging out with. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's been having a rough time of things seems like getting attacked in the way he did and betrayed uh <laughs> not and betrayed betrayed by someone you've known for for three seconds he was never betrayed you hit him initially 
he says, he said, seems like getting hit the way he did, he wasn't quite as cut out for combat as he thought he was. So uh, he doesn't have the same opinion of you. I'm glad that Vake was able to set him on a new path. You're welcome. You start to hear a very, very almost subsonic vibration, and there's a, a red tinge around the windows as the planet grows larger and larger in them. So, um, not to put a pause on this quite heated conversation, but I, I got to get this in here at some point. Um, how far as the as the mole machine travels are we from <laughs> said critical power supply? Because Jones is starting to run out of tolerance. Uh, you think that if you, if you just drove straight through, um, now knowing for sure that this is a spaceship, you're, I mean, you're not sure what the result of that would be, um, but... uh, I'm pretty sure he assumes the result is his death, but I, I think in his mind he's seeing a chance to finish the alien threat that fucked up the planet so many years ago. Doesn't matter that we were the ones that caused the nukes, it's... These were the aliens that did it in his head. I'm just wondering. It would only be a few minutes. Like, like I said, this is, this is, uh, about the size of a small town. So you can imagine like driving less than a mile, uh, to get to, to the core. So something has occurred to me that I've been trying to figure out how to motivate Karloff bringing up because Karloff doesn't really care as much. Uh, but there's like a something, and, and also I'm not entirely sure if I heard it correctly when it came out in uh, in a previous encounter. So um, I, this may not be entirely correct, but I think, um, uh, well, that uh, correct me if this is not right, but this is what I think that we heard earlier. Um, Carlos just going to sort of casually, just sort of, uh, as it's going on, just sort of say, well, you know, uh, her ma, he says, pointing at Comet, uh, from what we understand, took some liberty with those negotiations. Might not have gone quite as you think it might have. She says, uh, from the way I hear it, things went pretty south and I'm not going to blame her for that. <laughs> you've you've met Leopold, right? You know how much do you know about his history because it's not you don't end up in charge of a city like that. Look, we had to try. We didn't want it to come to this. What I'm saying is your reps didn't your reps didn't try. I decided to go on the offensive from the get-go. Remind me of all of this information. This is yeah. I, um, I, I'm not completely sure I have this right. That's the thing. I it's think that I, I think that could be a reasonable interpretation. Um, the the you're I mean you're getting a bunch of different stories uh, from different people. Uh, the the order that's the the impression I, I so so what what this woman seems to think happened is that 
these folks talk to Mayor Leopold, ask for access, or, or ask ask to have the core, the mm-hmm. the terror engine, presumably, and that when Leopold said no, Billy Jean attacked the mine as a way of 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 putting pressure on him, mm-hmm. and that it didn't work. See, I'm I'm remembering that um, a character whom we're not referring to as Thriller um, <laughs> told us that uh, Billy Jean skipped that step and just went to the attack. But I don't know if I'm actually remembering that correctly. Um, I don't think that they said that explicitly, but they they also didn't seem too hot on Billy Jean's approach. There was something I think it's it's like that they intimated about about Billy Jean about that they that uh, Billy Jean had done something to kind of jump the gun basically that was the impression I got. I am fine with the game of telephone. I think in this yeah. case, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But and, and you know, yeah, I mean, you know, they they were dying at the time when they were telling us as well. So I mean, <laughs> wasn't entirely clear. At any rate, just thought that I'd bring that up. In case you want to make sure you've got your processes in check before you go flattening a place. Not that I particularly care one way or the other, but uh, that's that's there. That's what we heard, if you want it. Well, at this point, their best hope is just to not put up too much of a fight. So, I have a question about something that, that Zoe's mentioned a couple times, um, about the difficulty of getting emotionally invested in characters and short campaigns. Now, given that Tabletop Garden is, is kind of all about short campaigns, um, what do you all think about the impact on short-form versus long-form roleplay and one-shots versus extended campaigns when it comes to being able to ease into a character or the process of figuring a character out? Well, one of the advantages I find about the the short form style is that you aren't invested in a character you've spent the last two years carefully crafting with a, a thousand different memories. With someone you've only played for a handful of hours, it's a lot easier to to let them go if you have a bad roll of dice or if you realize that the you know scenarios just doesn't make sense for your character you and you want to switch to a different one. It's I find it easier in the short form. Yeah, I think when you have a longer campaign than, or or even just something that's a bit longer than a one-shot, if you go for multiple sessions, then you have time in between your sessions even to think about your character and get more invested in things. And so I think with short campaigns, it does happen for me a little bit. Um, I sort of developed Karloff's story in my head from session to session, and each time I had a little bit more of it. Um, and so I think there, there is a potential for a lot more uh, to happen, obviously. Um, but then also, just with a thing that is just a one-shot, you're trying to tell the entire story right then, so you are going to take crazy risks and uh, just sort of go for everything. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the the importance of the time between sessions for character development, but you're totally right that 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 brainstorming, that's something that happens for me as well. And that's something that I'm uh, not very inclined to do because I feel like (laughs) I feel like everything is homework um, and having 
you know, already blocking off three hours, four hours a week to do something past all of the initial character development. Um, I, I forget to think about it because I think I'm already done. Um, and since I'm, I'm used to the longer format campaigns, I don't, I don't feel the need to, to think, um, in, in excess about the other characters that I've created because I already, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of know what sort of choices they'll make. Um, and then here I feel like this, uh, uh, decision paralysis because I haven't done all that thinking like, Oh my God, I don't know what she would do because I haven't played out all of those different scenarios in my head. So I, I, I don't know if that's just a being, being too busy to fully live my my fantasy world the way I would want to live it. Well, I think it's definitely a matter of like personal style. Like I think there are totally folks who even in long-term campaigns, they, when it's, you know, it's time for the, for the session, it's time for the session. And that's when you go into gaming mode. And then there are those of us who, who sometimes spend more time out of game than in game thinking about their character and, you know, come up with theme songs. And I, I, you know, write Playlists fiction about her or whatever. Yeah, I kind of. I guess I'll take the counterpoint I, because I, I feel pretty much as invested in a short-term character as I do in a long-term character personally. Um, maybe I just because I uh, engage emotionally, <laughs> I think quickly. Um, and in fact. I think the only difference for me, like in a long-term campaign is I often have to think really hard about the mechanics, right? And how I'm going to level up and how I'm going to reflect how my character is changing mechanically. And so it's kind of fun when you don't have to worry about that kind Mm. of stuff, just to think about portraying the character because I've already done the mechanics. So I think there's something kind of uh, liberating about the short, term uh version i like i like your point about the emotional attachment lucy and i think that uh i feel the opposite way from you because i i don't get emotionally attached to my characters very quickly like i feel like with with uh fantasy and reality it takes a long time uh getting used to before like in in one of my games i think that the other players like my character more than I do. Um, not that I don't, I don't like her. I think she's great, but um, it's taken like a year and a half to be like, oh no, this is a pretty cool character. Um, even though I've been invested with it for so long, um, and I don't, I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, I did a bad job building this character or whatever. <laughs> I think it is just a, an attachment thing. And that's a very interesting point. Well, and you know, I actually am thinking about it too. And uh, I don't know if this is true or right or not, but it does strike me that it is sort of like, I practice it all the time, right? In that I'm a teacher. And so I teach by semesters, Mm -hmm. right? So I get a whole new flock of people who I have to form relationships Mm -hmm. with, you know, like three, four or five times a year. And so that you know, that's something that I practice constantly is how to do that, right? <laughs> um, how to manage that kind of short-term uh, engagement. So, 
Yeah. That's really interesting. Is there, do you, do y'all find that when you're thinking about creating characters for a short-term campaign versus a long-term one, when you're doing that initial ideation, is there, do you have a different approach based on the length of the campaign? I do. Um, I think that, uh, I was just thinking about this. I, when I am doing a character for a longer term campaign, and some of this is a function of just how much time passes and how much time I have to do things, but I think that if it's one of those campaigns where the ending is far away enough that I don't see it immediately in front of me, like I know it's going to be more than just a handful of sessions, um, then that's where I'm going to do more research if I want, if I want to, if I need to for, uh, if I'm basing elements of the character on something or well, where I'll want to create more details, uh, for the character, for their background and just sort of figure out how they would work, how they would function in the world, that kind of thing. Um, uh, the attachment part also for me happens more the longer I go with a character, but that's really not a function of how long the campaign is per se. Uh, it, it, it or rather it's, it, if I know at the outset, it's long or short, it doesn't matter for, for attachment purposes. I, you know, each session I play, I grow slightly more attached to the character. Um, but yeah, as, as far as just prep goes, um, yeah, for, for this, for this campaign, for example, I knew it was just going to be a handful of sessions, so I didn't go hugely in depth with Karloff. I didn't look up a bunch of stuff, um, or try to figure out how, uh, you know, a, a lot of aspects of his life would work necessarily. I wanted to still portray him realistically, so I did that sort of, you know, character work in my head, but... I didn't go sort of deep into detail on that. Whereas just as con whereas just by contrast, uh, there's a character that I play in a game set in present day, um, who's a doctor and I've been playing him for a while now and I want to sometimes figure out how certain elements of his life are going to work. So I have to look up medical stuff, um, so that I can sort of figure out, uh, how, you know, just what sort of uh, things you would have to deal with. And so, you know, that kind of thing. One of the things I know I chose to do when I was building this character was I chose to stop working on his accent. Um, those people who are no doubt li listening to the podcast all at once will see that his <laughs> accent is kind of fluctuated. And um, those of you guys who... I've worked with in some of my other stuff, you know that a lot of my characters have some fairly complicated or hidden foreign or, or at least hopefully consistent accents as I work them. And I, I kind of made the decision, you know, after spending an hour or so playing with various different um, twangs and drawls and um, ageification to the voice that this just wasn't something we'd be doing for a long time and I wasn't going to put in the significant effort because, you know, as, as many of us have commented, your joy, your, your connection to your character will grow 
each and every step you do, but something like vocalization, speech patterns, accents, stuff like that, those usually require a lot of upfront preparation so that you've decided this is how the character is going to sound and so that you can keep that consistent. I don't know, I just I just remember thinking sometime around Christmas, I was like, you know, this is a short campaign. I really shouldn't spend more than an hour or two trying to decide roughly how he should sound. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense for just, just a matter of like, you know, how much prep time versus how much play time. There's a there's sort of a trade-off there, and we've got other stuff going on in our lives that means that, that you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, this is good enough. Thinking back to uh, building building characters with future plans in mind, I I'm only now starting to realize, as I am a a, a, a novice role player, that you can even do that. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you mean I could I can like skip ahead in the book and see what happens later. <laughs> <laughs> and, like make decisions now so that I can do those things. Whoa, um, no, which is really well suited. A thousand people on a on a D and D character optimization forum just had their hearts skip a beat in terror when you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like, yeah, for there, I mean, there's some some basic stuff that I'll think about, like basic stuff like oh yeah it probably doesn't make sense for me to dump all of my points over here because that's not the thing i'm going to use very much probably but beyond that not a not a whole lot but that's kind of fun because then every time every time your character advances you get to like kind of go back to the drawing board because you have no plan whatsoever that so I I feel like that is uh, a well suited attitude for for a short campaign and I uh, didn't feel hindered by it at all in this setting. Cool. I still felt attached to Vake. I would have been sad if they died. I feel attached to Comet even though I don't I don't know her very well yet. But I think she's pretty cool. I think Vake's also really mm -hmm. cool and Karloff and Jim. Sorry, not Jim. We don't want him to die. Yeah. <laughs> and I very much appreciate that. Jones. Jones is what I meant to say. Karloff and Jones. So I think we've reached the moment that I'm going to switch to the OOC statement since this is somewhat collaborative storytelling. I think this is the point where Jones is going to get back in his vehicle and drive off with out of character full intent to try to destroy this ship. I'm not sure where you three stand on that or if that's something you would, you know, if you guys are like no and would try and stop him. I'm, I'm approaching this as o OOC since this is a potentially heavily derailing or perhaps re-railing, depending on what the intent was <laughs> of what's going on. So I just want to open a, a brief side conversation before I gun it and start barreling. I feel pretty sympathetic. Um, I don't know if Comet feels sympathetic, but... You know, with the with the with a short uh, spanning role playing game, 
uh, it's it's harder to separate the uh, feelings of your moderately poorly flushed out character with yourself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I do feel pretty sympathetic, but I also don't see a solution to the conflict. I have a slight idea, but <laughs> I don't know if it's... I, again, I, the, the trouble with me playing the character that I'm playing is I don't know if my character would actually care enough to present the idea. <laughs> but I guess I could find a way to motivate it. Um, so what kind of story do we want to tell here? Um, I am... I am down for anything from y'all chatting OOC about about how to resolve it to having a fight amongst yourselves to all going so, I mean, against I, I guess that's the first question is do any of the three of you feel you would be in a position to try to stop him when he just gets in his vehicle and drives off declaring fuck this um I think maybe. Um, I really don't think he's got a great chance against everyone on this ship trying yeah. to stop him. Well, no. I don't mean even just by uh, by that. Um, just as in terms of like physically trying to stop him, but more just sort of saying, hang on a second, let's try this one thing real quick. <laughs> and whether he wants to listen to that or not, that's then... Uh, that that's then up to you, and then we would we would go down that route if you like. So one um, motivation here yeah. that Karloff would care about is you are pretty darn sure that if Jones goes to damage this ship and you don't make it off, that that's yeah. the end for you. Yeah, I mean that that's the other thing is it's like well if he's doing that it's time to leave. Um, <laughs> so I mean that's that's well, the what would be a primary so, there. Yeah. I guess I I want to get a little bit clearer on what everybody kind of wants out of this conclusion. So <laughs> yeah. Like what 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 do you all want out of this? Like do we want to fight each other? I don't particularly, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's, that's it's happened in enough parties I've been in. <laughs> that's fair. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'll i say that my thought is that I could potentially, we could offer to, and I'm just going to go ahead and state this out of character instead of waiting for the dramatic moment here. Um, but I'll say that we could offer to, the, the idea I had was to offer to uh, just give us one, uh, ask the... Uh, alien person to uh, give us uh, let us go and just complete the negotiation for them or give, take a stab at it and uh, then you know if that goes south then they can blow the city uh, you know off the map um. <laughs> that's a great idea because we're really good at negotiation yes exactly that's what we're showing right now hey. yes precisely <laughs> so I mean you could probably convince her to hire you to kill Leopold and give her control of the city. Hmm. Now that's if, a thought. <laughs> if you took over Niederdorf, 
you could... That will still result in her taking the core and leaving, which will shut pretty much all of us down. Yes, but there would probably be fewer deaths. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely something that, yeah, that sounds like something Jones definitely would not want but to I mean, happen. I, I know we, we state that many of these other places are making out a survival, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the electrically powered equipment, our vehicles and whatnot, are still needing that ta- that terror engine, if nothing else, in proximity to them to continue functioning. Oh yeah, it would be real. It would be real shitty uh, having that taken away. Yeah, I'm not going to say humans can't survive, but I'm pretty sure we'd be knocked back to the Stone Age again, or have to retreat to one of the other eleven towns or so. Yeah, you'd be if if you did not uh, negotiate like access to the to the engine. Um, yeah, you'd be, it would be real, real rough on a lot of people, and there'd definitely be, be fallout from that. You know, you'd, you'd lose access to medicine, to power, to stuff that helps crops grow. But, but we could try to negotiate access, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think that that sounds better than lots of people in Niederdorf dying, and possibly, like, it, it, it seems like if they're going to go through with this transplant thing, if they're doing it under less duress, it's more likely to be successful. So at least someone will win instead of everyone in Niederdorf dying and the terror engine being rejected by its new host because it's in the middle of conflict. I think that given the focus of this campaign, I would want to leave like the final results of said negotiation up in the air. Um, For sure. But I think that a like a temporary truce of like we'll keep the ship around, and for, at least for a little while until we figure out how to make this work could probably be done. I'm into it. Also, Leopold is a silly man and probably isn't a very good leader anyway he's a very effective and efficient leader he's a he's a he's a a jerk he always achieves his quarterly goals oh god (laughs) (laughs) we need him on that wall oh gosh (laughs) so I can't handle the quarterly TPK uh, reports is that something that uh, that everyone would be down with? So, I, I'm I'm hearing, and I'm good with this, that that's the path you three want to go down. Um, I don't think it's a path Jones will. And I am good with the storyboarding of him saying "fuck it" and trying to kill her and someone taking him out beforehand. But. I don't think in his head he's willing to negotiate with the aliens for the loss of mm-hmm. what makes their world exist. Well, and another way that I see this possibly going is if Jones does take off toward trying to uh, smash the ship and we realize that's what he's doing, then I know that for my part anyway, uh, that, that Karloff would want to get off the ship ASAP um, and would only try to confront and stop Jones if uh, Vake and Comet wanted to do that, Uh, insisted on doing that instead of leaving. Um, 
because they're really the only people on the thing that uh, Karloff cares about at all. Um, he also cares about Jones. He doesn't want Jones to get killed either, but, you know, it's like... <laughs> it's not going to stop him from doing what he wants to do. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, if the ship got blown up by our, our rogue companion, uh, that would that would remove our... Uh, need to make a decision about negotiating or not. <laughs> I'm good with whatever. I'm good with whichever way it goes. But yeah, It sounds like one way this could go is Jones goes off on his own immediately and Vake and Comet decide to stop him and Karloff comes along with them. Um, we could also set it up so that that offer happens first so that she offers to hire you and then Jones is like fuck this if if that feels like better motivation um or if you you don't want to be like we don't we don't have to play out that combat if we don't want to um, I would prefer storyboarding. I, I the way this system works 3 on 1 I know I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not now that I'm super strong. <laughs> but if if you don't like how that feels, um, an alternative sounds like a tragic thing of Jones going off to to stop it, you all fleeing, and uh, the kind of Niederdorf being saved and the ship being lost is another way that could go. I'd be fine with that too. Mm-hmm. That seems the most dramatic, but... Because one of the things I, I realize is Jones has the portal key. True. Mm. And I don't think it would be unreasonable for him to sneak, sneak it into Comet's car, like on the like hanging from the dash, from the, the windshield. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have a rear view mirror, would you? But hanging from the car. Yeah. Sneak it, sneak it into the, your car while he's pacing quote unquote and trying to decide what to do about this it is unlikely yeah. that i would notice that i mean we could and we could have it be a dramatic notice i mean he he's not incredibly subtle but i'm sure he could you know maybe decide to be subtle enough to say all right screw this i'm just going to go take a i'm going to go take a walk and clear my head and get in the car and drive off and at least get some distance before people realize what he's doing, so it's not like blatantly obvious. Yeah. Which makes more sense for the flea rather than the shoot him before he gets out scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd rather do anything other than personally kill Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the definitely not on my to do list. Are we leaning towards the tragic loss of the ship then? What do you, Lucy, you've been quiet for a bit. Uh, well, I guess I sort of like that one the least, although it is dramatic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think y'all turning on Mayor Leopold would also be dramatic. Um, what if we do something a la Trigun? Is. I'm not capable of taking out the ship, 
but I can disable it enough that it's forced to land instead of having to attack. So the problem isn't solved, but it's still there. That way I don't kill everyone's parents. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Jones would go out in a blaze of glory. And... It just wouldn't be quite as glorious as he thought. <laughs> and then we could possibly curtain call on you all heading to... I think you'd still... She'd still try and get you to take out the ship, take out the take out Leopold, if the ship wasn't capable of of helping, especially. Yeah. And then we yeah, could we could probably leave the result of that ambiguous. I think would maybe be most appropriate. Oh yeah. I like ambiguity, yeah. mm-hmm. especially in a post-apocalyptic world. No one wants a nice, pretty bow on things in that world. So sounds like. Jones going for the for the core you all trying to stop him not managing to stop him not figuring out what's going on until it's too late and then yeah, I think yeah and then being recruited Lucy slash bake you really like this spaceship I would I would hate to see it get completely blown to smithereens on your behalf <laughs> uh well vake likes the spaceship I guess. I'm just trying to figure out what would be a cool ending. <laughs> I I can see that what Greg just suggested being a good way to do it sort of cinematically where we can uh, sort of just sort of montage it a bit and just tell everything right up to uh, a certain point and then stop. And then we don't know what happens after. All right. Sounds like a plan then. Shall we play it out? Yes. How 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 will we do that? All right. Um. I think we'll let's narr- We all kind of got the plan in our heads. Let's narrate it out, and uh, Ben can start with with his pacing and go from there. And it's I guess it's up to y'all whether you want to whether you still want to do the leaving the leaving the key behind. That could be a good tell for like, oh, if he left the key, I know what he's going to do. Like noticing it once he's left. Ooh, so so real. In fact, maybe if Ben, if if Jones says, "Fuck this, I'm going home," and then leaves, but it turns out he left the key, that might be a good. Oh dramatic yeah, it's actually a much better line than oh, I need to walk. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, let's do our best to seamlessly pick up where we left off then with <laughs> Ben. All right, Jones is definitely getting very frustrated and probably has gotten through the majority of his cigarette by now and i think he's by about now he's managed to find himself leaning up next to to comet's vehicle now doorless yeah i think he's gonna so he's gonna open up the door and he's going to put the hollow key the the, the little key disc thing mm-hmm. Like onto the rear view mirror from the hanging from the chain over there. And uh, he's going to start heading back over to his vehicle. And he's just going to be like, look, look, guys, this is all this is all well and good, but we're getting really talky and I'm I'm not good with this. So I'm, I'm just going to go head on back down. I'm going to I'll get out of here. Y'all just do what you're doing. I'm I'm going home. 
I'm done. And I think at that point he's just gonna he's just gonna get in his vehicle and drive off. Start heading back to where they came from, mostly. Don't get lost. And she uh she's got a an angry face on it, but she's looking looking up at the at the window and then back down at her at her desk and seems to be coordinating whatever's going down on the ground. And she just kind of makes a shooing gesture as if she's glad to see him go. Look, if if it'll save lives to, you know, have Niederdorf give up the core with less of a fight, why don't you send us down there to do a little, uh, little more negotiation? I mean, Leopold's expecting us back anyway. It's not like they won't let us in. She says, uh, hmm, no, hmm, okay. She says, I almost can believe you're her kid. Think that'll work. She says, no, at this point, I don't even think that would that would help. And Vake, your goggles off and alert, and you see just a, a little dangling bit of white in uh in comet's windshield and with your eyes you can clearly see that jones has left the portal key hanging there okay then everybody's gonna just have to imagine vake having a kaiser sose kind of a moment (laughs) where they're connecting all of the dots fuck i don't think he's going home and off in the distance, the sound of a drill machine tearing through walls starts to be heard echoing down the halls. And there's suddenly a sound like uh, like awful electronic static that flashes over the, like, as if from a PA system, filling the room. And uh, the, the woman that you've been talking to, like, clutches her hands over her ears and, and screams... And uh, and says that's the that's the alarm. She says, "Fuck!" Fake also clutches their ears. I am running to the car. To, uh, to I'm I'm running to my uh, to my death junker, and uh, trying to get on the radio. Jolissa's already on the radio. Yeah. I'm gonna try to get Jones if, if there. So, Jones, uh, what do you want? <laughs> I'm kind of in a rush. What are you doing? I'm going home. And she's working on the on touching some controls and we see through these curving white hallways shimmering golden light shine along them and the walls are changing and forming these these lines of black as lasers hum to life but even though they occasionally are able to get a little pot shot up at the bits of Jones's vehicle that poke through the walls, he's mostly churning through infrastructure and she's increasingly swearing in a language that none of you know uh, as she's trying to take his vehicle out and failing. If anyone wants to know, she is being quite vulgar. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Jalissa. Anytime. At one point, she just screams and slams her fist on the console. 
Hey, Karloff, if, if you guys want to get anywhere, I left the keys in Comet's car. You probably don't have too much longer. What are you doing, Yank? You're going to get yourself killed. Well, I didn't have that many years left anyway. I figured going out riding in alien spaceships about as good a death I can come up with these days. I figured I was going to get collapsed by a mine shaft. I don't think they're worth it, but it's your life. And Jones's drill punches through a particularly strong bit of plating, and in front of him he sees a shining golden light, and blue shimmers start to form on corners and surfaces inside his vehicle, and strange metal blossoms start to form and he feels a strange itching and burning on his skin as he approaches whatever is at the center of this light i'm just sort of hopping into the car and starting up and sort of like looking at the others like we gotta get out of here lady the uh the offer still stands but um i guess i guess we'll head out now probably vague (laughs) she's not even paying attention to you right now. Um, she's frantically trying to save the ship. Jones takes out his bag of explosives, takes one of them, lights it up with what little bit left is his cigarette, says, this one's for you, Martha. I'm coming home. And drops the one explosive in the rest of the bag and and drops it right outside the vehicle and waits. And... We see Jones's vehicle hanging out of a hole in the side of an immense room and just that golden light shining from the side and the single speck of explosive dropping down. And then you all hear a thump and the lights flicker and go out. Bake uh, can see pretty well in the dark, so... They're going to go stand right next to Comet and whisper in their ear. It's very dark now. <laughs> oh. uh, so, uh, headlights on. <laughs> I can't even say anything. Uh. Oh, thank God. I thought I died. Karloff's headlights illuminate that Dias, and that woman is standing there just slumped, just completely defeated. And then she suddenly lurches into motion and just kicks angrily at the side of the desk, and a piece of the paneling just shatters and, and flips off into the darkness. And then a moment later, there's a little blue shimmer that gleams around you in the, in the room. And little sparkles of blue are shimmering in the darkness. And you see above the, the stars through the skylight slowly drifting and turning and then you see the land below you 
as the whole ship is slowly rotating and little traces of blue light follow down hallways and over the holes in the side of of the walls where Jones punched through and we see them creep up some wreckage that's the remnants of Jones's vehicle in that room and up to where the core was and then fade away and all the blue dims and we see from a distance the city of Niederdorf and hanging in the sky too far away to do anything this ship slowly spinning and drifting and hovering in place helplessly impotently and the woman looks up at the at the window and looks down at the rest of you and she says i guess that's it i guess i guess he was right i guess it was always going to turn out this way uh who who are you talking about <laughs> she says you never you never knew his name did you no uh, bat uh, bat the bat guy yeah Fuck, I bet you'd like it that way. He is really good at speeches. I feel kind of bad about interrupting him the first time. She says, uh, we've got air, but not for long. Maybe a week. And then uh, we're all going to suffocate, and then this thing will fall out of the sky. Well, have you considered landing? She says, we don't have movement. It's either stay still, anti-grav, or fall. And the the ship comes around again in its rotation, and you see the, the city of Niederdorf in the distance through the window at, a, at an angle that makes you all suddenly and momentarily understand viscerally that you are standing upside down hanging over the planet and then the ship continues turning and she she spins and she says i'll give you anything you're mercenaries right mm-hmm. yep uh, well Karloff, you wanted to go ahead and discuss our rates <laughs> just sort of head forward yeah <laughs> he's kind of the money yeah. guy we've uh we do have an opening for a job right now, as it happens. We're going to have to talk currency, because I don't think Niederdorf coins are going to be worth much when we're done. I want you to kill that motherfucker. Ah, uh, well, two things. First, can uh, whatever currency you give us, can you make it glow in that way? You know, I think you know the way I'm talking about. She says, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, uh, we... The kind that lets it pass through solid objects. And take out a man's kidney. <laughs> I say, and I, sh- and I show a scar. <laughs> I, I, I just pull up my shirt and I show the scar where the coin entered my body. <laughs> Karloff, don't forget, hits are double. 
That was item two. <laughs> she says, you need supplies, I'll do what I can. We don't, we have to improvise when it comes to weapons. Uh, we, we, we got, we've got some of those. I think mainly what we're going to need is a way to get down to the ground. I can probably get enough power for a portal. I can't guarantee you're going to like how this is going to go. Uh, yeah, you and everyone else. You got a deal then? It's part of the job. Simple question. Can you pay us in tech? She says, uh, you can have whatever we can spare. All right, then. I believe we do have a deal. And we see Mayor Leopold standing in his office. He's dressed in one of his normal suits, but he's hurrying over to one of the bookshelves that he has up that have the real paper pre-war books on them. And he throws open a cabinet at the bottom of it, and he reaches in and he pulls out a huge shotgun. And he quickly, but without fumbling, loads shells into it, and then moves to look out the window at the smoke rising from the gate of Niederdorf. And we see at the gates the guards of Niederdorf in their uniforms at full attention fighting, uh, taking shots at Jacko gang members who are hunkered down in huge numbers behind stones and taking cover behind their cars and driving in circles around the town and through that circle the three of you come racing throwing up a big cloud of dirt and the guards wave you through comet walks in through uh through the first set of uh checkpoints into the the mayor's office and shows shows her little ID badge and no no it it it's me it no it's it's really no it is me Karloff it Karloff it's me right the receptionist yeah. uh looks looks you up and down and says wow uh Ms. Sharps you uh you really hit a growth spurt didn't you <clears throat> you uh you looked out the window anytime recently oh oh uh well I'm sure that now that you're here uh We'll be all right. Well, uh, I'm just saying a lot of a lot of strange stuffs going on, but um, if there's anything left at the end of the day. You want to go get a couple of corn dogs by the lake? She uh, she smiles dreamily and says, "Corn dogs sound amazing." I give her a firm pat on the shoulder. Hey, is the boss around? She says, uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be glad to see you. Uh, no rush, no rush. <laughs> Vake, by the way, is now wearing uh, one of those very, very soft denim white jackets and is somewhat less bandaged than normal. So they're going to pop the collar on that jacket and then bust right into the room. Mayor Leopold's room. 
Leopold whips around as you throw the door open and relaxes a little bit as he sees it's you and he says, Why the hell are you in here? You should be out there fighting those animals. I'm here because I have a really important question and I can't move forward until I have the answer. He says, What? What is the fucking code name for the head of the Jacko gang? Tell me now. <laughs> he says, what? I don't, I don't know. We've never been able to find out. I swear to you, I will flip this desk. <laughs> Why the fuck does their code name matter? Because it's the only thing that matters. I think I think it's Jim's turn because okay. I don't think that I I know that Leopold doesn't know. Okay. <laughs> um, so if Leopold refuses to answer, then I'll just sort of come in uh, again. Uh, just, and and uh, Karloff will take off his sunglasses and put them in his pocket, and just sort of uh, just sort of with a slight grin on his face as he lowers his his, his blade slinger. He says, One more thing, Leopold. You see him raise his blade slinger. He says, We resign. And you see him firing it. As a circular saw blade comes hurling out. So any anything else that folks want to mention about the campaign? I'm going to need some like some kind of uh, audio file with uh, Zoe and Jim doing Boston Nova. <laughs> <laughs> be our outro. Uh, <laughs> I honestly did not think that playing a, a crazy old miner driving a mole machine would actually be one of the most normal people in our game. <laughs> <laughs> I think my biggest, uh, I, I really enjoyed this game as a whole, a whole lot. Um, I wish that I had thought more about the, the moral implications of the, the, the role or the, the position that my character was in and would be in. Um, I think that having, having a few, more moments of world building like pre-character development would have been helpful for me because I I felt way more sympathetic um, and like my character possibly would have been more sympathetic um, and I, I don't know it was a it was a weird a weird thing to get thrown into where initially I was like oh yeah we're fighting bad guys cool no problem um but then after learning more about the world uh, through gameplay um, and things that I think probably I would have known in character, um, I feel like I would have made different decisions and, and acted differently. Not like drastically different decisions, but it would have been easier to, to get, in the, get in the zone. Well, to, to go behind the scenes a little bit, that was definitely deliberate manipulation on my part. Um, I definitely was trying to get you all to not realize at first that the situation was, I mean, I don't know that it was that complex, but it definitely wasn't just cops and robbers. Um, and I, I was, I was definitely being a little manipulative, well, decently manipulative to, to, um, 
to provoke that kind of of arc that is maybe unrealistic but is is i guess melodramatic and that such such a transformation to get such a transformation to happen in in a short time as this campaign uh i definitely uh tricked y'all a little bit that's reasonable (laughs) just it was uh there were moments when i just felt confused because i was like wait why am i doing this I don't think that I want to do this, but I—I I mean, I've already started. I mean, I think that's—I think that's an experience people have in real life. I mean, I think that a lot of, a lot of like moral realizations uh, start as, wait, why am I doing this? <laughs> well, with with the, that in mind, I appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, for my part, I had a really good time, um, and. Yeah, as, uh, as far as the moral question goes, I was playing a character with very very little in the way of a moral compass. Uh, I just had basically just a few, uh, just just a few pillars uh, that uh, he stood on, and that was it. Um, and uh, so I was just having a good time with it, and I expected there to be curveballs because it's you. Um, <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed so- seeing Karloff. <laughs> Uh, be unexpectedly principled, I guess. Like seeing yeah. him feeling for for Comet and and somewhat for Vake uh, was interesting. Well, yeah, and that's the thing also that I think goes back to the idea that um, I got more attached as we kept going. Um, I think I enjoy Karloff more in the final session than in any of the other sessions, uh, just because. I get to the point where it's like, okay, well, now I figured out how he can have a little more of a sense of humor from time to time, and I can figure out uh, just sort of how, uh, you know, when he's not in a situation where he's immediately fighting for his life, um, how he's going to react to things, and uh, and uh, I got to get my sliver of backstory in, which was awesome. <laughs> Excellent. And that's really all that I wanted. I actually thought... I thought you had really a great moment in the last session when you, um, that moment when you said, I think it is really important to know where you came from or something like that. It just felt, I don't know. I felt something. Yeah, (laughs) no, that was, that was, yeah, the, where some of the backstory was starting to come in a little bit just because of, um, who he is and just the fact that, you know, he was taken as an orphan raised by this group of, uh, crazy people out in the desert who race each other to the death, um, <laughs> and uh, and that that sort of that affects you as you grow up, um, and uh, so it was it was cool getting to see then th- th- how he would then see that Comet had an opportunity to actually reconnect um, with her past, and that's you know, it's like okay, I never had that. <laughs> so that was really cool. I think it, uh, I think for him and for me. Um, so I had a really good time with it, and I got still to overall to play uh, a, a gloriously cartoony uh, uh, Mad Max Death Race character, which uh, is always something I'm up for. Definitely, I was I was saying at the start of this uh, recording session that I felt a little bad that Jones hadn't gotten as much kind of uh, 
narrative prominence, but uh, ah. Ben Ben <laughs> solved that issue very well. Uh, nothing like death to solve the issue of narrative promise. He got to go out heroically. And I think actually a lot of, a lot more people would have died had he not done what he did. For sure. Uh, we, well, but we never know what's going to happen now. You know, it's a good place uh, to stop the story. Who knows? Sometimes a little murder will uh, will cut violence short, and sometimes it just keeps on going. Well, thank you all very much for participating in this campaign with me. I've had a lot of fun. Big Eyes, Small Mouth, Third Edition was created by Guardians of Order. The theme music for this campaign is Wasteland by Phantom Elite, available under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. For more Tabletop Garden and to subscribe to us, visit tabletop.garden. And to support the work I do, visit patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. I am definitely dancing. <laughs> 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 I um I highly recommend <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's good. <laughs>